So before we get started, um, I totally screwed up Rachel's name um, in the intro, but everything I said I meant so well that I'm going to keep it. And her her name is Rachel McIntyre Smith. I don't know why I kept off the Smith with the whole intro. Um, I, probably because I'm just I was just so excited for this conversation to be totally honest with you. Um, but so you know it is what it is. It happens. So here it is. Rachel McIntyre Smith's introduction before our conversation. I hope you enjoy. And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. Just swimming with bow-legged women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well, my advice to you. Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today, whether you're tuning in on Dirt Road FM or on the replay of the podcast, wherever podcasts are broadcast. Thank you for so much for making it out here with us again. Welcome back to Season 5. I can't believe it. Season 5. Holy crap. Um, as we talked about all through December, Season 5 is starting off in January with feel-good stories. Um, or stories that I think have a lot of meaning to them. Um Rachel McIntyre is our guest today, and this was an episode we recorded a very, very long time ago. However, however, and I say this with all sincerity, I kept this one in my back pocket because I knew I wanted to do January like this. Um, and then after our conversation, I was like, you know what? Damn, this girl, this conversation would be, would fit in perfectly, um, so that's why she is here so late in the game. So Rachel, I, I know I reached out to Rachel a couple of weeks ago and said, listen, I I promise you're coming out and there's a reason. Um, and I feel like now it's a new year. All these, you know, we're, it's fresh 2023. I didn't want Rachel's conversation to really get lost. And I, cause I think it's an important one for a lot of people to hear, um, especially if we have a younger audience, um, I feel like this is a conversation you, you want to hear. Uh, I think it's a conversation you need to hear. Um, like all the conversations this month, this one, this one really, really pulled and it was an awesome conversation. I'm so glad I had it. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of things and you're going to hear all about it here coming up. So Rachel, thank you so much for your patience. Um, her music is incredible guys. Um, you know, she's got that pop country thing to her. I mean, I think I think it's a little poppy. Um, but you know it it works and she's killing and god damn, go go check her out because she's she's worth a listen. She's worth a listen. Oh, I, I don't know why I tongue tied so bad with there. Um so really without further ado, again, thank you so much for checking us out. Follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, um, the whole nine yards. Thank you, Rachel, for being here and your patience for being on the show. Like I said, huge, huge episode here. 
check it out. Rachel McIntyre, without further ado, enjoy. We want to give a big shout out to our friends over at Off the Rails here in Worcester, Massachusetts at 90 Commercial Street, Worcester. They have the best food, the best music around. You will not go wrong. Go to their website, offtherailsworcester.com. You can see their lineup of shows. You can see their menu. You can see the local talent they have. Absolute fantastic people. We love being a part of the Off the Rails family, and we love having them being part of our family. Thank you so much to Off the Rails. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing so good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you. I don't know why. I like, I just cracked like I'm going through puberty. I don't know what the hell that was about. (laughs) Holy shit. Well, first of all, thanks for being on. Absolutely. I'm really excited about it. This is a really cool podcast that you have. And so I'm I'm grateful that you had me on here. Well, I appreciate that so much. Now, before we get started, I mean, we've already started, but Mm -hmm. if for some reason we drop off, we have, I live in the middle of the woods and we've had some weather going through. Um, so if we drop off, I'll just resend you the link and we'll, we'll, we'll get back into it. Okay. Uh, just, just to give you a, you know, for everybody that's listening, a little behind the scenes action of what happens when, you know, you live in the middle of nowhere and you try to do things with the internet. <laughs> I completely, I completely <laughs> understand how that goes. Yeah. Um, so for, so I, you know, I've been looking up you, I've been looking up your stuff. I've been looking up what you're doing and I love it. I love your sound. It brings me back to my college years. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. And what way does it bring you back to your college years? So when I was in college, I, you know, I did a lot of, I followed a lot of bands around that were like really like Americana sounding at mm-hmm. the time, you know, that's, that's what they called it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. everybody was afraid to be called country music at that time. <laughs> um, and like you remind me of some of the a lot of the female singers I was seeing at the time, so it's been like a breath of fresh air. It was like like it's bringing me back to a to a different time, and I I appreciate it a lot. Oh well, thank you so much. I'm glad you like it. That, that I do, I do. It's very different. It's it's very good, and it's very different than what we're seeing. It's got that. It's got a very classic, um, modern feel to it. Oh, well, thank you. You know, I um, I am not really seen. Um, and so I think that that's probably why it doesn't sound um, like a lot from that crowd. Um, and I mean, they people in the Nashville scene are making incredible music, not saying they aren't. Um, but I, I'm completely separated from that. I live in East Tennessee. And so it is just coming straight from my influences and I think that people would not be surprised to know that I um, grew up going to Cracker Barrel quite a bit with my grandfather <laughs> and um, I loved the music that was playing in the Cracker Barrel country store like the classic country yeah. and um, I wasn't really a big follower of country music as I was growing up um, like modern day country music and um, I listened to Taylor Swift and some things like that, but I wasn't really into the what was really popular on the radio and that sort of stuff. Um, it wasn't until I was in college and I started listening to the Casey Musgraves album pageant material. And yeah. it just like blew my mind how she was able to articulate all of these small town stories 
really fun, quirky parts of small town life, but also like really poignant observations about what it's like growing up in a small town. And it was like, I felt like she understood me and she, she got it. Um, and that just sort of opened my eyes to the world of country music. And so from there, I just did a deep dive into it and um, started writing country music. That's awesome. So, you know, it's funny because I tell people all the time, like when I was growing up, um, I actually hated country music, like despised. <laughs> and, it, and it really wasn't until like the last six or seven years where I started to really, you know, get an appreciation for it and, you know, get into it. So it's, it's nice to hear that, you know, you're, you're kind I don't want to say you're in the same boat but you can relate a little bit because like everybody I talk to, they're like, Oh, well, I grew up with country music. I've always loved it. Yada, yada, yada. Now I don't know how much of that is, is bullshit and how much of that is true, but it's nice to hear you be honest about it. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I had a lot of other musical influences growing up that weren't country related. Um, honestly, my parents aren't really big music listeners. Really? It's funny because like all me and my brother and sister were all really, music fans now but my dad has the weirdest music taste of anybody I know like (laughs) he has like he listens like the Gaither vocal band he listens to he loves Field of Fields of Gold by Sting he listens to this Christmas song called How Many Kings like on repeat um (laughs) and like two other songs like this that's the extent of his uh like music that he likes my mom loves Olivia Newton-John and like some like Greece, like music like that from like the seventies and stuff. But she also doesn't really listen to music that much. I mean, we definitely listen to like a lot more Pockleball Cannon and like <laughs> things like that around the house than things that were played on like regular radio. And so it's just sort of interesting how music finds people that way. But um, I did, yeah, like I didn't grow up in a super heavy country household, this except for my grandfather who really. Um, was a big fan of Johnny Cash and um, the classics. We would always listen to those. Um, But I was a really big fan of like alternative rock whenever I was growing up. Um, I really tried to have like an emo phase, but unfortunately, girl, girl, preach, girl. (laughs) Unfortunately, like my mom bought all my clothes at JCPenney. So like (laughs) there's only a certain amount of emo you can be when you're wearing like uh, cargo <laughs> jeans and a Hello Kitty graphic t-shirt um, but I, I was obsessed with Paramore and Haley Williams and um, also a huge Taylor Swift fan but I was also in marching band and so I listened to a lot of like 1940s big band jazz music um, like Benny Goodman, Glenn Miller that kind of stuff and um, so yeah there's a whole lot of different musical influences that have sort of led me to what I'm doing today but obviously what I'm doing now is um, much more in the country sphere and what's so cool about discovering country music later is like I feel like it it wasn't like a given like it wasn't something that I would just constantly listen like a newfound appreciation for it because I'm getting to discover these classic songs for the first time at a time when I actually appreciate it and not just something that my mom has on the radio as we're driving to Old Navy, you know. Right. Oh <laughs> um, my God. I, I, you know, I'm, I don't want to interrupt you, but I feel like I'm literally talking to the female version of myself. Like it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, and I love, I love this because this is exactly 
you know, I tell people all the time, that's my musical tastes have just changed, you know, throughout my life so drastically that, you know, who mm -hmm. I was in high school and what I was listening to then, you know, it was the Paramours. It was the, you know, um, you know, I went through my punk phase and my heavy metal phase and my jam band phase, and, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I never, if you would have told 18, 19 year old version of me of like, Hey, one day you're going to consume yourself with country music. I would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> you know, that is, that is exactly, that is exactly me because I remember one time, I, I mean, growing up, I feel like, I don't know if you can relate to this, but definitely where I grew up um, in a small town in East Tennessee, it was, I mean, you had the people that were diehard country fans and then since everyone was a diehard country fan it was kind of like there was a group of people that were sort of like the con not country haters but they were like we don't listen to country music oh, and, yeah. and so like I was in one of those like kind of hater groups listen to it and I didn't open my eyes up to it whenever I was growing up um and I remember one time um, we were, my family was on a road trip to Memphis and I had like secretly downloaded country music onto my iPod Nano because my sister was one of these like sort of country music haters, like country music, uh, like popular country music, except for Taylor Swift. And we were on our way to Memphis and I was just jamming out to Honeybee by Blake Sheldon and so I got you know in typical middle school fashion like when I was in middle school I got on Facebook and I really like, typed this status that was like nothing says summer like lemonade and Blake Shelton oh. and <laughs> and my sister roasted me so hard she was like oh you're just some little country girl aren't you <laughs> and so like now looking back it's really funny since yeah. <laughs> I make country music <laughs> funny so like based on that comment you know you and I we have a little bit of an age gap right mm. um but you know when I was in high school it was AOL and AIM and you know Facebook was just starting the year I graduated mm -hmm. high school and um you know it you're absolutely right. Like you would throw out, you know, little stupid shit like that. Right <laughs> now it's, it's funny because since doing this and all that, and you know, uh, my wife was the one that got me into country music. Hey everyone, don't forget to check out our friends over at the afterglowboutique.com. That's the afterglowboutique.com. Or if you're local, they have a great shop at 43 main street in Blackstone, Massachusetts. All Boots and Whiskey podcast listeners get 20% off at checkout with the promo code BOOTS. That's B-O-O-T-S at checkout for 20% off at the afterglowboutique.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. Right. Mm -hmm. And and whiskey and, and all, the, all the things that I've become. You know, really. <laughs> and, you know, and she busts my balls all the time about being a poser and, you know, all this stuff, you know, and, and in good fun, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. it's like, you know, she's like dead on. She's like, you've taken my personality and made it your own. And it's like, <laughs> damn, I really have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is awesome props to her for being able to, like, open you up to that world enough that you felt so, like, connected to it. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny because, so she grew up in the city of Boston, like, the heart of Boston. Oh, and, wow. 
I grew up in small town, like you were talking about, USA, more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where it, we we have our hillbillies and our our northern mm-hmm. rednecks and all that shit, you know, and trucks and and all that stuff. And I yeah. hated it. never it, you know, growing up, it never correlated to me because one, it wasn't, you know, country music wasn't popular when I was seventeen, eighteen years old, mm-hmm. you know, and it like I said, you know, you go through those musical, those musical changes. And, you know, here, here I am in my mid thirties now. Oh my God, that hurt to say. (laughs) Um, And like country music just speaks to me because of what they talk about. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the things I'm going through in my life really mirror what they sing about. Yeah. And, you know, I also think, I also think that that sort of speaks to um, like how country music has evolved in the past few years because I do think that there's been a really big shift in what country music sounds like what it looks like the audience that it reaches in just the past five to seven years um because I mean what you would hear on the radio then versus what you hear on the radio now is completely different and it it kind of seems like there's like a renaissance sort of back to the roots of country music and back to sort of like the classic sounds like you hear a lot of um, artists that are influenced by 90s country or 70s country or even like 60s country like a lot that throw back to it and so I think that that's really cool this new era because I think that a lot more people are being um, introduced to it and are being able to relate to it and um, I think that it has like um it, it sort of feels more authentic. I think that yeah. we're seeing a lot more songwriters being the people that write the music. Um, and so like when they deliver it, it feels like it's really from the heart. And um, I think that people can see that. Yeah, no, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, even, even in my time doing this, like you talk to some people and, you know, it's always, I've always prided the show on, you know, tell your story, tell the story behind the music because you know, everybody that's on here has a song, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, why, how do you stand out with your music compared, you know, not even compared to somebody else, but, you know, why does your music sound the way it does? You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I've been trying to, this is the journey I'm on is like, why is, you know, out of all these really sub genres of country music, why does yours sound the way it does? You know, that's, yeah. and I think you're right. I think it has a huge it's a huge thing about influence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think what's so interesting is, especially in this age of social media, is that you can reach a whole bunch of people that you, you know, 10, 15 years ago was not possible to do, especially as an independent artist. And um, it's it's been a really cool tool in order to connect to audiences, not only to my music, but other musicians can connect to, to um, their audience as well and um, it's it's really interesting to see what people pick up on because um, previously to this year I had been releasing music that I I loved it like it was fun it had a lot of puns in it it was really upbeat and like funny and I really enjoy that kind of music um, but then at the beginning of this year my quarter-life crisis was sort of like culminated And I was living in an apartment by myself. Um, I had had multiple, like, people 
I had some coworkers pass away. I had some family members pass away in a very condensed period of time. It was cold outside. couldn't really like it. The pandemic was still happening and it was all just like a bunch of factors that led me to being isolated and being sad. And so I ended up writing this song called glory days and it was a complete departure from anything that I had written previously. It was much more honest and like straight to the point. And when I wrote it, it was like, it hung with me. Like I really, I really liked the song and it really to articulate my feelings in it, but it was so different than other music that I had released. And I um, decided to just record a demo version of it. So I could just sort of pull what I was hearing in my head out of it with the harmonies and background vocals and everything. And I um, just recorded a video of me recording this demo version and I posted just the first verse of it on TikTok. And previously to me, po- like I've been posting on TikTok for a long time, not really gotten very many views or anything like that. And um, within the first day of me posting that, it had over 150,000 views and everybody was like sharing their experience of how they had felt going through their quarter life crisis and their experience or how they had pulled out of it or just like, everything and they they were so kind and they really related and resonated with it and um through like sharing that vulnerable experience and people were vulnerable with me and they felt like they had more of a connection to my music and it was it was so crazy um to like through me sharing my authentic experience with going through that people really related to it and resonated with it and when I was able to put it out um, it was in, it's still my most successful song release to this day and it's the title track to my EP that I just released um, and it's just crazy that we live in a time where it's you know posting that TikTok didn't cost me anything it didn't right. I didn't have to have like some fancy um, like record label that was helping me do it or anything like that and through the power of social media I was able to find all these people that would relate to that song and so it's really, um, I'm just really grateful to be existing in a time when that's, that is reality for independent artists. Um, I, it gives me a, like a whole lot of hope. And I think that, um, I think that the music industry will benefit from it because it'll be much more like what consumers respond to as opposed to just what major brands and major labels are giving to consumers yeah no i agree 100 percent. you know i say it all the time where you know it seems like there's like 10-year pockets right of country music mm-hmm. and i feel like we're in that shift now of you know the next 10 years of being more of that off you know i i say authentic country music but you know that 90s sound that 70s sound where mm-hmm. it's it's actual storytelling not that you know not that current country music isn't telling stories because there's a lot of even pop country you know mm-hmm. has some storytelling aspect to it but i really feel like you know you're going to start seeing more of the um you know the billy strings and the tyler chillers and mm-hmm. um you know the jackson deans you know you're going to see that be the focus of country music, you know, Ashley McBride, Lainey Wilson, you know, these, these powerhouses that are telling a story and bearing their soul out in every word, yeah. you know, and people going, this is me too. 
Yeah. And I think that people, like like you're saying, people are saying like, oh, that's me too. Like being able to relate to it, it, it makes that bond between artist and listener a lot stronger too. Yes. Um, and <laughs> side note, you mentioned Ashley McBride. I am loving this new album that she just put out. Are I, you? Are I, you? I am loving it. I have not laughed harder than I have laughed when I heard Brenda put your bra on for the first time. <laughs> it was the funniest song I have heard in so long. And like, I feel like maybe people who live in the city or haven't experienced sort of like their redneck side to small town life, maybe they can't relate to it. Mm-hmm. But I, it really feels like it just encapsulated a lot of like my small town experience growing up and <laughs> call back to my father's music taste for a second he loved that song so much so I need to add that to the list he likes Fields of Gold by Sting Gaither Music and Brenda Butcher Braun I mean uh-huh. um I yeah I love I love it it's, it's you know, hilarious it's funny because it's like I am a big Ashley McBride supporter and like mm-hmm. I love everything she does I think she's absolutely fantastic and I'm not gonna lie to you. I've I've had a hard time getting through this album, for really? for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's funny. The other night I was with some friends and we were talking about it, and even they were like, you know, I don't, I don't, like, I've listened to it now a few times through. Like a li- some of it a little passive, um, but yeah, you know, I was having a tough time. I'm, I've had a tough time with this album, and it's it hurts my heart because of how much I love her. Also, don't forget our friends over at hogwashandrhinestones.com. Our good friend Ray is the owner over there. She makes incredible clothing that you've seen all over the place from Nashville to Boston to everywhere in between. Some really big names have worn her stuff. That's hogwash, the letter N, rhinestones.com. Check them out. Tell them the Boots and Whiskey podcast sent you. You won't be disappointed. Check them out. Hogwashandrhinestones.com. Yeah, do you think do you usually enjoy like concept albums like that? Cause I know that some people have been like uh, kind of deterred from the music whenever there's like those filler, like interludes, like how she's got the jingles for like the different pawn shops and things like that. And um, yeah. Haley Witters also did something like that with her album. And so I think that uh, I think that people have mixed opinions about that. What did you think about? So that? I, I love the idea of concept albums and I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't sat down and listened to it from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I kind of skipped around. So maybe that's what I have to do is just put it on and actually listen to it all the way through. Yeah. That's what I did. Um, I went, I went for a walk recently and I listened to it the day it came out from start to finish. And um, it's really interesting. Like you have to sort of set your brain to be like, okay, I'm listening to this small town radio station. Because okay. that's, that's what she is trying to cultivate with, like, the order of the songs is she has these little, like, are, like, ad spots in a radio, like the local radio show. And so it's sort of like you have to, if you listen to it like you're reading, like, a fiction book... And not like you're listening to an album. I think that it, um, it's more interesting because like you can pick up on the different characters that she references. She's got like different 
characters that she talks about in different songs she references the same characters um like the last song or one of the last songs is called bonfire at tina's and in brenda put your bra on she's talking about tina getting like tina's man is cheating on her and then the last like at the end is they're having a bonfire at tina's where they're throwing all this guy's stuff into a bonfire and so it's sort of fun how it they bring they reference these characters back and forth Oh, I love that. Oh, now I'm going to have to actually sit down and like listen to it for its intent because I, I would, like I said, you know, sometimes when you're in this, you know, in the, in the, in this side of it, right. You mm-hmm. have to kind of grab things quickly. You know, you can't, you don't have the time to sit down and listen to it for what it's, what it deserves. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you said that. So now I'm going to have, I'm going to go into it with a totally different mindset. And I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I think that I think that it's fun and um I also think it's it's interesting to sort of see the shift um not just in country music but I think that you see the shift in music in general of like a lot of artists are sort of pushing back to the single like single driven music industry and they're putting out more cohesive albums that need more time to process them. Yeah. And um, I think that that's probably going to be a good balance um, to help a lot of more independent artists because, or like artists that are just starting out like me, um, because a lot of what industry professionals say is like, if you want to get the Spotify algorithm, if you want to get like radio to pick up songs and stuff, you need to put out single after single after single. And I think that if other artists, like big artists like Taylor Swift has been doing it, Ashley McBride, other artists, like they say, well, how about like we keep this album form where like you dive in deeper, you get to explore themes more. Um, It keeps people's like interest peaked about a longer project. And so I think that that'll bode well for the industry um, since like we exist in an age where spotify playlists happen where you you have like one song from an album put on a playlist or you have um like a single that gets picked up and then people just save it to their library i think it's a cool sort of balance to that where you can listen to a thing and sort of dive deeper into what the artist is trying to do yeah no i agree and you know i i think you're right you know some of these bigger artists have been doing that in the last couple of years doing the you know double triple albums and you know, we mm-hmm. see how successful they've been with it. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think it's huge because, you know, and for, for everybody, you know, for the artist, you know, they put out a double album and now they have, you know, really a year, you know, a year and a half, two years maybe to, you know, ride that wave because of how long it is. And, you know, then it's not so much of that grind for some of them of where it's like, all right, well, you need something new every eight months or every six months or every year or you know whatever whatever their team says they need yeah and it's um it's interesting because you hear some like I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan and she was talking about like how important she feels like an actual album is and then you on the flip side of that I remember reading an Um, interview that Blake Shelton did and he said that he wasn't even sure if he was going to put out another album he was just thinking he was going to be putting out singles I don't know if he's still if that's still something that he's considering but it's like it's interesting to see how different artists respond to the same 
music industry and um, artists are creative and that's part of the fun of it is like getting to see how different artists choose their path and how it works out for them. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because a lot of the independents that I talk to, actually, I would say uh, 99% of them, you know, it's all about the singles. It's all about, you know, Mm -hmm. we're going to release a single every six weeks or, you know, whatever the hell it is. And, you know, some of them do really well with it and others, you know, not so well. But I guess Mm -hmm. that's that's also part of the gamble. Right. That's also part of the, you know, whatever that whatever you're doing. Yeah. And so previous to me releasing this EP called Glory Days, I had just been releasing singles. Um, I released a single in 2020 and then I released two singles in 2021 and I, in the fall of 2021, I recorded a song called The Woods, and I was intending for it to just be a single that I would release in March um, on its own, and I was talking to um, the CEO of a management firm in Nashville. Her name's Erin Anderson. Um, I, she helps me, and she, she gives me a lot of advice about music industry stuff, and I played the song for her, and she was like... I really like this song. However, as a standalone single, I don't know how much traction you're going to get with it. And so she challenged me to like sort of think of a longer project that would um, that would like envelop or would like sort of hash out what I was talking about in that song um, in a deeper way and maybe pulling in some songs I had already written and how like what sort of theme it could have. And so I had been one of those artists that had been on sort of like the single grind thinking like, yeah. okay, I'm just going to post this one single and then I'm going to do another single and then I'm going to do another single. And she sort of helped me see the value of putting out a longer project. And um, I have really enjoyed um, putting like a lot more effort and time into sort of the same um, theme and the same concept. And um, it's been a whole different, like completely different experience putting out an EP versus putting out a single. And it's been one that I really enjoyed because I'm someone that um, I studied in college. I went to school for communications. And so through that, I studied videography I studied photography, branding, social media, like graphic design, all that sort of stuff so that I could do that stuff for myself and my music. And so it was really fun for me through this EP to be able to create my own visuals and sort of come up with a whole like visual world that I wanted um, to tell this story um, of the EP. And so we were able to go through the school board and my in the in Rome County which is the county where I went to high school um, I went to Oliver Springs High School and so we were able to reserve a day where I could go in and film and video things and um, it was a really cool walk down memory lane and I feel like it tied really well into the theme of glory days and so through releasing an EP I was able to sort of go deeper into these visuals and really think about it more as opposed to just doing like a cover shoot um, and grabbing like a few videos at the cover shoot to use to promote the single. And so I've really enjoyed um, the process of releasing a longer project than just releasing an EP. I mean, just releasing a single. Yeah, no, for sure. 
Um, you know, I love I love all the visuals you have for everything that you're doing. You know, the marching band outfits and you know the 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 glory days. You know, you're right. You know, because for a lot of people, high school that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I know for me, like I used to say all the time, I wish I could go back. Um, you know, because it was it was a different time. It was definitely a different time. Yeah, and um, it, it's co- sort of like weird how um, all these things aligned in order for Glory Days to sort of come to be. And um, I I had a lot of really great memories in high school, and one of those is I was in marching band, and so I played clarinet in marching band, and. I, uh, when I came up with the concept for Glory Days, I knew that I wanted to have a marching band uniform. However, I didn't know if my marching band had a purple um, marching band uniform. Um, And all of my music stuff, I'm either wearing pink or purple. That's a whole different thing. I could get into why I chose those colors and all that sort of stuff. But um, I usually only wear pink and purple. And so, just so happened like when I needed a band uniform for these photos my marching band had just launched a fundraiser where they were selling their vintage band uniforms um and they were letting people in the community come in and look at these old uniforms to see if they wanted to buy them to fundraise for new instruments and one of the old band uniforms that I don't know when it was from I think it was either from the early 2000s or the 90s was all purple and so we were able to get one of those band uniforms and go back to the school and take the photos that are in all the cover art and so it's cool how like that all just sort of aligned to happen there and it was also really cool because um my high school like the building physical building that I actually went to is really old and um it's going to be knocked down at the end of this year and they're currently building a new high school for everyone to go to and it was a really nice way to like say goodbye to all those memories that I had there. And because we had the school pretty much to ourselves um, that day. And so I was able to sort of walk the halls again and see these classrooms and um, just sort of like say goodbye to this place that really impacted me growing up. Um, Not only in the four years I went there, but my mom was an English teacher at the high school and she started when I was in third grade And so every day after school, I mean, I was there until seven o'clock at night running the hall. And um, so I had a whole lot of memories before even high school in my high school. And so um, through getting to shoot the cover right there and going back to the high school that I went to, it was just like a really cool way to sort of like take a look back at the had there and um I think that that comes across in the photos like I think that you can see that um I think you can see the sort of state that (laughs) my brain is in um in those photos because um it it was uh it was definitely like an emotional day going down memory lane but it was it was really cool to get to go back and do that that's awesome I love that I absolutely adore that I loved high school so much and, you know, living in a small town, like, you know, I, my graduating class was like less than 200 people. And, yeah. you know, we were, we were close, you know, we were, we were, it was pretty much kindergarten right through graduation day. You know, we were all together. 
Um, so yeah, I, I totally, totally understand that. Now I gotta ask, what's what's with the purple and the pink? Because there's gonna be a story, or you wouldn't have brought it up. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I went to school for communications, um, and when I was graduating and I was about to launch like going and playing shows and doing my music I really wanted there to be look and a consistent theme for my anything that I had out in any way that I looked whenever I was playing and um style wise I've impacted by um like retro tv shows because growing up my grandfather would take care of us when my parents were working and so he he was a wonderful caretaker, but he told us, like, I'm not watching Disney Channel. I'm not watching Nickelodeon. You can want to show you the world that I grew up in. And so he played us all the classics. Um, and I was a huge fan of I Dream of Genie and Bewitched. And I loved, like, 1960s, 1970s, 1950s style. And so I knew that that was, like, stylistically sort of the look that I wanted to my stuff um but then I was also thinking like people perceive colors and the um and like the meanings behind different colors um it really sort of like supports meanings of artists as a whole and um different songs and different things like that and so I knew that people were already going to like whatever way I looked, whatever way that I like colors I wore on stage or something, people were going to sort of interpret a meaning behind it, even if I didn't have one. And so I just went with it. And um, I chose one of the reasons I chose purple was because um, that I grew up with from kindergarten all throughout high school. I my school colors were purple and gold and my hometown plays a really big part in my music and it plays a big part in who I am. And so that was one of the main reasons I chose purple. Um, and then I chose pink because I really like embracing my femininity and like the stereotypical, um, a lot of times like people put a lot of uh, negative connotations on a lot of like stereotypically feminine attributes and I think it's really fun to play things that are really true and authentic to who I am as a person and so I thought that that was like a very fun bold the two of those together I remember um when I was a senior of course, we can't forget our friends at the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company out of Canada. That's drsupplyco.com. They have great stuff. All of the hats I pretty much wear, all the camo hats you see me wear either on TikTok or in pictures or whatnot, all come from the Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company. A big thank you to those guys out there. drsupplyco.com. Check them out. Canadian company. Great stuff. Check them out. Here in college, on my spring break, I got sick and so he's on the couch I was just trying to brainstorm like how I wanted to have my look sort of together as on Pinterest and I found this um color palette that had like three or four different shades of pink and purple on it and um just saved it and I loved it and I've um sort of been using it ever since then and I um it's just one more way that it can sort of be memorable 
um, whenever people see me or they see something that I put out. So it can be sort of consistent. Um, and it's interesting, like, um, I've had people that have come to shows and then later they'll like DM me and they'll be like, I was just in Target and I saw this shirt that was pink and purple and it made me think of your music. And so I went and listened to it. Um, and so it's, it's just like one more way to sort of stick in people's brains a little bit more. Um, I know that there are other people that wear pink and purple and all that sort of stuff. It's not unique to me. Um, but I just, that was one of the main reasons why I chose that and the thought process behind it. And, um, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I (laughs) started wearing pink and purple and using it all the time. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool, actually. You know, because, you know, especially as an independent artist, you know, I don't think a lot of, a lot of independent artists put that much thought and effort into their style and their look. You know, I think it's just kind of, it is who they are and that's it. You know, there's no, Mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing, I don't want to say there's nothing tangible behind it, but there's typically not a real big story. It's just, oh, well, this is, this is how I've always dressed or, you know, whatever. You know, so I think that's, I think that's cool. Thank you. And, you know, I, I always just like idolized like the old vintage fashion um but obviously they're not selling that sort of stuff they weren't selling that sort of stuff at Walmart and JCPenney when I was growing up and so I wasn't able to ever wear it and so when I was thinking about like how I wanted to present myself on stage it like the fact that the internet exists and I can now order things online they're like cool vintage pieces and all this sort of stuff like that was it was just like sort of fulfilling that like childhood dream that I could look like Barbara Eden and I drew a genie and stuff. And um, so it's just, it's cool. And I really like to put a lot of thought into, you know, everything that I do, not in a way that like, I don't want it. um, I don't want it to come across like calculated or inauthentic, but it's, it's more like I'm intentional and I know that people are going to interpret messages through pretty much anything that I do. And so if I think about it and I'm intentional about it, then um, I can make sure that the messages that come across are messages that I want people to get from my music and that are authentic and true to me. That's awesome. I love that. That's so cool. Now I'm going to ask, you know, talking to you now, right. And knowing that you're from East Tennessee, right. Mm Mm-hmm somebody from new england like myself i don't hear an accent (laughs) that's really funny that you say that um because that is actually that's actually something that comes up quite a bit um i yeah i I grew up um, right outside knoxville in east tennessee and um english teacher and so she always like drilled into me proper grammar. Um, and I, I do disappoint her a little bit because I say y'all all the time. Um, but I didn't start saying y'all until I was in college. And I sort of made a conscious decision about that because you guys is such an awkward phrase. Like I, I studied, I also speak Spanish. I studied Spanish in college. And like in the Spanish language, you have ustedes, which is like you plural um and i feel like they doesn't give us a you plural type of thing except for y'all so i say y'all a lot but anyways i'll get off that soapbox um (laughs) i uh don't really have that to some people um and i think (laughs) 
part of that is because um, when I was in second grade, which is a year where you learn a whole bunch of compound words and you learn so much in that year. Um, my second grade teacher was from Pennsylvania. And so like a lot of pronunciation that I learned of like these bigger words came from someone that was not from East Tennessee. And, um, and so I think that that really, that really impacted me. Um, and I'm not going to lie, there was a conscious effort to make sure that I was pronouncing things as like the, um, as the like general standard, like accepted way of saying stuff. Because I mean, I'm sure that you know that there's a pretty negative connotation that people give people that have a really thick accent. And um, I don't think that it's warranted. I think it's, you know, it's, it's rude. I mean, a lot of people think that people have a thick accent, um, you know, aren't as educated or aren't as smart. Yeah. Um, and so growing up, I remember making like a concerted effort to pronounce things um, in like more of a proper way because I didn't want people to think I was stupid. And, um, you know, looking back, like, I wish that I had just sort of accepted, like, the place where I grew up in the, um, like, the fact that that's just how people talk around here. Um, because I think that it's a really cool thing when people have an accent and you can sort of tell, like, what region they're from. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's kind of why. But then I also will talk to some people and they're like, no, we definitely can tell you've got an accent. So I think that it's it's there. Um, it comes out in different situations, I think. Um, but it's interesting you say that because it is something that I thought about quite a bit. Yeah, you know, it's funny because like doing this show, you know, all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, being up from the Northeast, you know, we have a very we have a, a very thick arrogance to ourselves, you <laughs> know. And I'll be the right. If you you laugh because you know it's true, you know, we <laughs> we we do. And, you know, I, I'll be the first to admit, I have no shame in this, right? Growing up, you know, you, we thought people from, you know, south of the Mason-Dixon line, you know, stupid, you know, mm-hmm. or uneducated or, or whatever the case may be. And, um, you know, doing this show, you know, some of the best conversations I've had with people about, you know, life or whatever, you know, really whatever. Um, have been people from Mississippi and Alabama and Georgia and, you know, these mm-hmm. places where, you know, as a younger person, I would have been like, there's no way I can have an intelligent conversation with somebody from there. Yeah. You know? it, is, it is interesting, you know, because we, like, so much in the media, the way that people from the South are portrayed or um, people that have a thick accent are portrayed as, like, they're they're from a trailer park or they're you know all this sort of stuff and so like whenever you're not meeting these people like one-on-one and actually having conversations like you said like through your experience interviewing people on this podcast and like actually having long conversations that's brought down a lot of those barriers in your mind that you had grown up with and um it makes me wonder like you know all these people that sort of had that notion I think that if they sat down and had a conversation it would sort of break down that that idea that people have. Yeah, you know, it, and it's it's one of those things where you know, living up here, right? You get a a lot of that 
you know, a lot of that notion of people from the South or outside of New England or the Northeast, you know, you, we, we think it's a whole different world out there and that it's so, you know, there's this dividing line between North and South or East and mm-hmm. West or whatever. And it's like, when you sit down and actually have a conversation with somebody like, you know, we, we all have the same, I think we all have the same like goals and in ethos, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, you get up and go to work every day, you take care of your family and you do what you need to do, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think we all have that in common. And, you know, we're living in a world right now where, you know, it's more sexy and more profitable to, you know, fight amongst each other than it is to be like, hey, we're actually the same people with the same, you know, thoughts and ideas. Just, they may just look different and, and that's okay mm-hmm. that they do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting. And I think that back to sort of the social media, um, this is sort of a double-edged sword because people can be really nasty on social media, but I've also seen a lot of people who you get to see and sort of like, especially on TikTok, you get to see like people's daily routines and what their life looks like whenever they live in different parts of the country. And it sort of opens people's eyes to, even if they don't have that personal connection, that personal conversation, one-on-one conversation, they can sort of see people's perspective more and what their life looks like. And so it breaks down that barrier a little bit, I think. And hopefully that'll benefit society. I I would really, I would really like it if we would move towards um, people understanding people a little bit more and not just being so quick to, to be mean or to play into stereotypes that they think of other people. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Now, so for what you're doing and what's next, what's coming next for you? I am so excited for all the stuff that I've got coming up. Um, I've just launched my first ever radio campaign um, and that is an Americana and non-commercial radio campaign. So um, like local NPR stations as well as Americana stations all across the country. And um, we're doing... The first round of the campaign is with my song, The Woods. And um, if all goes well this week, then um, The Woods will enter the top 100. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. Um, so far, we have stations in Washington, um, California, Wyoming, um, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, and a few different places um, I can't think of that are playing it so far. And so um, I'm excited to see uh, how that goes and where that takes me. Um, then I also will have a new release coming out just in a few weeks um, that I'm really excited for people to hear. And then I'll have some new releases coming out in the beginning of 2023, as well as playing a lot more shows. I've loved getting out and playing these songs live for people. Um, and so I, I'm excited to do that. And I have my first ever CD, um, which has been a really exciting experience. Um, Being a 97 baby, I really loved getting CDs of my favorite artists when I was growing up. And so having my own CD feels surreal. Um, And so I'll have those at my shows. And I'm I'm just excited for a whole lot of stuff that's coming up. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good rest of the year and a really good 2023. That's awesome. I, I love that. That's so great. It really is. You know, it's, I, I love that you're putting that you have an actual tangible CD because not a lot of people do. 
anymore. Yeah, and, and you know. it was also really fun because um, through my skills to like communications and all that sort of stuff, I was able to design my own CD. Um, and so I could make my own um, like inside slip cover, like CD cover of what the back of it would look like and what the actual CD would design would be and the back of the CD and all that stuff. It was just really, really cool to me to get to to do all that and be hands-on with that process. And so I just love actually having a CD that I can hand people. That's awesome. I, I you know, I, God, I got to get a copy because I, it's been a long time since I've had an actual CD in hand. Yeah, I'd love to send one to you. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's just been really fun and like, having something to autograph has been like a really cool yeah. experience because I, I mean, I grew up pretty much autographing every piece of scrap paper I came in contact <laughs> with. Um, and so actually having something that people want me to like sign my name on, it feels very official. So that's well, been fun. Oh, I'm not, I would love one because, you know, when we started this show, um, I don't know what made me do it, but I always asked all of my guests, you know, if they would send me like an autograph picture, it just says like a keepsake, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Because I never thought in a million years we'd have a hundred plus episodes of this show. Yeah. That's, such you know? a, that's a huge milestone, by the way. That is incredible. You know, I, and I'm, I'm starting to notice that because, you know, I go through podcasts every now and again and I'm like, they're like, oh, 50 episodes, 50, 60 episodes. And they've been around for years and years and years. And it's like, mm-hmm. what the hell are you doing? But, um, <laughs> you know, so like I, after season one, you know, in season one, when we first, first started, we were we were crazy. You know, I was doing three, four, you know, conversations a week and putting three or four out a week. Getting the traction I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when we made the decision at the first of this year week um, thing and make it, you know, make the week about that person, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and daily put it out and, you know, whatever. So, you know, now that we have, you know, we're on the Dirt Road FM, you know, so we're we're broadcast not only nationwide, mm-hmm. but worldwide, you know, and we're mm-hmm. getting thousands and thousands of listeners a week. And, you know, but back to yeah. the autograph thing, like I was asking everybody, I was like, hey, can you, you know, I have this wall of fame of everybody that was on season one. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, I was looking for some the other day and I was like, I don't have anybody after season one. And because wow. it was like, I got so busy with it, I just stopped asking. Yeah. Well, um, I would love to add to that collection. I, w- so. I would love to have it. I would love to have it. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it, it's one of those things. It's one of those things that's cool where like one day if I ever have like an office or a studio, I can, you know, a real office or studio where I can just, you know, put everything up and be like, this is like, look at what we've done. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's how I look at it. It's like, Jesus, it's um, crazy. A quick side story, because you just made me think of it with thinking of like getting a keepsake. Um, So right after I graduated college, I actually hosted my own radio show for um, the local Chattanooga radio station, um, local Chattanooga NPR station. And so I would bring artists in every week and um, they would I would ask about their music. I would play their music on the local station, all this stuff. And um, I would have them, they would bring me like t-shirts or mementos and keepsakes and stuff. And you'll never guess the we- the most bizarre thing that an artist brought me was a jar of baby food. A jar of baby food? A jar of baby food that had been autographed. Um, and 
I kept that jar of baby food for quite some time because this the guy who gave me the baby food was extremely attractive and I was like sure that I was gonna I was like I'm absolutely gonna marry this guy one day so I have to keep this baby food to like have at our wedding or something um but anyways I've thrown it away since because it's been a few years now um but he had a song about baby food and so he signed a jar of baby food and gave it to me after I interviewed him on the radio show so that's awesome um so yeah I don't have I don't have a really cool wall of photos but I did have a jar of baby food (laughs) for for an amount of time (laughs) you know it's it's funny because it's like I've never gotten anything weird signed and Mm -hmm. sent to me but like you know I always ask like a picture like you know Mm -hmm everybody has their, you know, their eight by tens or whatever. And, you know, it's like, Hey, if you have one lying around, I would love to have one kind of deal. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's been artists that have like sent me like bundles and like, I'll text them. I'll be like, listen, one, thank you so much. But two, like way too much, way, way too much. <laughs> um, you know, but like, you know, but like when, whenever like an artist sends me something that I, that's wearable, I wear it all the time, you know, yeah. because it's, it's like, well, why not? you know they they were nice enough to send me something i'm i'm gonna you know i'm gonna promote them they were on my show if i didn't think they were any good i wouldn't you know i wouldn't have them on uh, yeah actually i know i gotta i'm not gonna lie to you in season one i took everybody <laughs> you know i took everybody <laughs> everybody and anybody yeah um, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do you do you know you really do like not you know and i wouldn't be at episode 100 if i didn't you know i, I know mm-hmm. that right um but now with like, you know, I'm, I'm sh- you know, I'm sure with you at some points, you know, you have to be picky. You have to be mm-hmm. selective where it's like, well, I'm not, I don't need to play or, you know, have, I don't need to have an independent artist that has one song on anymore. You mm-hmm. know, I, you yeah. know, I, as much as I would love to, because that's how we started. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, when, when the wheels start to turn and move, like you, it, you can't go backwards. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I appreciate having you on and having, you know, everybody that's been on the show on, you know, I love, I love your story because even though, you know, we're 10 years apart, you know, your story is very mirrored of my, it seems. And I, I love hearing that from other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It you is know? really cool. Yeah, it really is. Now, um, again, I appreciate your time. I really do. I know you, you know, I know you're busy with your music and your, mm-hmm. your regular life and, and all that. So, you know, your time to me as it is to you. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank um, you. Now, I don't, I told you, I don't have questions, right? But I do mm-hmm. have, I, so I kind of lie. I have two. Um, mm-hmm. What are your boots of choice and what is your whiskey of choice if you like whiskey? And if not, what is your, what is your beverage of choice? Okay, so um, boots. Um, I have these boots that I'm obsessed with. They are Betsy Johnson boots, um, and they are rhinestone. Nice. The whole the whole boot is rhinestone, and it's really fun to wear on stage because they pick up the stage lights, um, and so they're my favorite stage shoe to wear. I make sure to only crank them out whenever it's like a really big thing because I'm terrified of like losing rhinestones on them because they're my favorite. Um, yeah. But they're those are my boots of choice. And um, I'm really honest, I'm not a huge whiskey drinker. However, as funny um, since I'm on this podcast now, um, a while back I went and I did uh, a tasting at the there's. 
there's a really big um, whiskey um, brand out of Chattanooga called Chattanooga Whiskey. And they, I did a whiskey tasting with some of my friends and they have, they actually do have some pretty solid whiskey. Um, it's definitely not my alcohol of choice. However, um, they had this one that was called Chat Whiskey 91. Um, and it was really smooth to drink. Um, and it was, it was pretty solid. So I would have to say if I had to choose a whiskey of choice, it would be that one. Um, and they're, they're really cool local, uh, local business and, um, they put on some really cool things in the community. And so it's definitely something to try. If you're into whiskey, you should look it up. Um, I think yeah. they, they do things, um, nationwide. Yeah, um, I would have to for sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, Chattanooga whiskey, chat whiskey 91. Um, if, but I am like a really big, um, beverage gal. Like I, I love a beverage, <laughs> not necessarily alcoholic ones, but, um, I'm obsessed with um, Arnold Palmer's, like half lemonade, half tea. Um, I love uh, sweet tea. That's definitely like my southernness coming out. Um, I always have either some sweet tea or an Arnold Palmer. Those are like my go-tos. Uh, oh my god! You know it's <laughs> this joke thing. I really do. It's a good thing my wife doesn't listen to this. I think I found my soulmate. You know, because everything <laughs> you're saying is just is spot on. God. Are you, are, are you, are do you, you love Arnold too? Palmer? Oh, my God. I love Arnold uh, Palmer. No, I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not an only child. I have an older brother and an older sister. So I'm the baby. Oh, uh, okay. Well, maybe that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Arnold, all, Arnold Palmer's. Oh, perfect. If it's if I'm not drinking alcohol or diet coke, it's Arnold Palmer, 100. percent Oh yeah, absolutely. I it just makes my day better. Anytime I have one, like day is instantly turned around. Yeah. So if if I'm having a bad day, like everyone around me, like my friends and family, know, just go get go get Rachel and Arnold Palmer. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome, Rachel. Well, thank you so much for your time. I, I've loved talking to you. I've loved getting to know you. I, I really look forward to what happens with you in the future. And I can't wait to see what happens with you in the future. And, you know, anytime you're, you're more than welcome to come on this show and tell us what, what you got going on and any way we can help, we would love to be able to help you. Well, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed our conversations, even though you say you don't plan questions i think that you do a really good job listening and picking up on things because we had a really fun conversation that not a lot of people ask me about and so um i really enjoy being part of this and i can't wait for other people to hear it oh god that you know that makes that you know i wow i don't know what to say to that because everything you just said is exactly what i've always wanted for this show is you know like because none of none of the questions i asked were were pre-planned because it was Mm -hmm. like you know you were here it was just the conversation and you know i hate pre-planning i don't you know i don't i'm not even gonna lie to you i don't look much into my artists their you know Mm -hmm. their bios or anything because i want to hear it from them i want to hear it like the first time i don't want to be like oh okay well i know this i read this about you blah 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 and like you know 
think about yeah. other things and, and, you know, start scrolling Facebook or Instagram while we're talking. Cause I, that's also rude too, you know? Like, yeah. And, and I think that that, that comes across, like it's a genuine conversation. And so you absolutely nailed it. And I think a lot of times it, although well-intentioned and your viewers that are like very pre-planned and they, they have the questions that they want to ask in order to get to the end of the interview it sort of gets in the way of having, you know, a conversation and listening yeah. to things because they already know what they're going to ask next. So yes. they don't really have to pick up on what the artist is saying because they already know what they're going to say next in response once there's like a dead period. So exactly. um, so props to you for coming well, up to this format for the show and I, being I a good listener. That. I appreciate that. You know, I <laughs> there's a lot of times in my life where I'm not the best listener. So I, I'm trying to use this as, you know, as a format. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing a great job. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Rachel. Oh my God, I, you know, I've I've been looking forward to this conversation since we've planned it, and I, it did not disappoint. So I thank you so much for that. Oh well, thank you, and have a great rest of your night. You too, you too, and you know, as as soon as this comes out, I'll let you know, and you know, the week prior, so we can we can plan some stuff to blast it out for the world together. Absolutely. I can't wait for people to hear our conversation. <laughs> me too. Me too. Was, this is a lot of fun. Thank you so much again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, have a great rest of your night. You too, Rachel. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, everyone. Our conversation with Rachel McIntyre-Smith. See, I remembered it for the second half. I am so sorry, Rachel, <laughs> at the beginning got so screwed up, but I wanted to keep that. That intro, I thought, to this episode was perfect. So I kept it. You know what? We're we're not a perfect show. Shit happens. Here we are. You know, the Boots and Whiskey podcast will never be pinpoint perfect. We never will be. Well, maybe one day, but not today. <laughs> you know, it's only season five, after all. So thank you, Rachel. You know, uh, I... Uh, I don't typically listen to the full episode or the full show when I'm editing. Um, I just kind of listen to snippets. And listening back to our conversation, like, I am so glad I kept this episode for this month, for these, for this, for the story part. Um, oh, God, it, it gives me tingles. It, you know, I'm just thinking about it again. And even I'm thinking about next week's guest again. And next week we have Gold Pine on the the program in another another conversation that turned into almost like a therapy session but um really thank you so much for everybody that tuned in today to uh to listen to this story and in our conversation rachel i appreciate you so much um like more than you'll ever know so thank you so much um and everybody that's tuned in for the first time thank you for joining us here on the boots and whiskey podcast follow us on social media instagram facebook twitter tiktok you know everywhere everywhere and everywhere we really greatly appreciate you guys thank you so much and until next week y'all keep those boots on the grass keep the boots on the ground my god and the whiskey in the glass guys cheers